Welcome to Learning with Lisa, Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast with Lisa Navarra, award-winning educator, consultant, behavior specialist, author, and parent. This podcast provides support for school leaders, educators, and parents. We share and discuss evidence-based resources that are embedded in social and emotional learning to meet the needs of students who struggle focusing and learning. Teachers and parents find information and strategies to improve students' academic, behavioral, and social-emotional performance. It's time to turn kids from I can't into I can. Welcome to Student Success Beyond Expectations. Are you feeling like you want to connect with your students more or even your own child more? Do you feel like if only they believed in themselves enough to have their own voice, to voice your opinion, to believe in themselves? Well, today we have a special treat because Paige Parker comes to you with 24 years plus of teaching experience, but it's such a wide variety of teaching experience that she has through pre-K, through high school years of teaching. She's also a yoga instructor, and she also has inpatient treatment experience. So her whole world has revolved around giving children who don't seem connected even with themselves a voice and how do they get out there and how as adults do we help them to connect with us so they can connect with themselves. So welcome Paige. Thank you, it's wonderful to be here. Paige, based on your experience, what are some of the really important messages or even lessons that you've learned? Um, connection is one of the big lessons that I've learned. Um, I spend a lot of my time talking to my students about things that have nothing to do with education, about things that they're interested in, about their lives outside of school, um, about their activities or what they like to do. Um, if they play video games, what video games they like to play, if they like to watch movies, what movies they enjoy, who their friends are, what they do. Um, and I have found that as a teacher, building that relationship has been vital. Um, I have kids who, you know, might not normally open up to someone who will come and open up to me because I've taken the time to get to know them and to get to know who right. they are. And how does that help you as a teacher teaching the curriculum and instructing them academically? They respect me. They'll listen to me regarding academics because I've taken the time to get to know them as a human. Uh, and do you feel like this is something that is missing in their life or do you feel like it's just something that should happen naturally? Talk to us about that. Um, I feel like it's something that's maybe missing in education. It's not something that I was taught in school. It's not something I was taught in grad school. It's something that I just kind of naturally picked up and did. Um, and, you know, I feel like it more teachers, not all, some teachers do this and they do it very well. I work with a small tribe of teachers that are really good at connecting with kids and we pass them between us um, yeah. because maybe, maybe I don't connect with one or yeah. I'm struggling to connect with one, but I've got some, one of my other teacher friends over here who, who approaches kids in the same way that I do will connect with that kid. And so we'll kind of bounce them between us 
based That's on great. need and whether or not we're able to get through and maybe what, you know, what the kid needs at the time. Yes. Um, and I, I just, I feel like as educators, we need to look more at less at curriculum and more at building that relationship with those kids. Because right. then the curriculum comes easier for them too. Well, that's the main point, right? Because their their school, their schooling is like their job. So mm-hmm. if we just left it at the connecting and then didn't bring in the academic piece, they know it. They know that, right? They know that they're not reaching their potential in that area. And so I would imagine when you weave and integrate the curriculum, you get a certain response. Can you talk yeah. to us about that response after building that relationships and connections? You know, what, what then? But then I have kids that'll do anything I ask them to do. Even if it's difficult. Oh yeah. Even if it's difficult and they'll ask for help. If it's difficult, they'll be like, right. Hey, I don't park. I don't understand this. Will you explain this to me? Um, Instead of so saying, Oh no, of, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And giving right. up. Yeah. They push through and ask for help. Or if I can't help them, I'll find someone they know they can come to me and say, Hey, I need help with this. And I may look at it and go, okay, I cannot, I don't know how to explain that to you, but I know that these three people do, which one do you want to go to? So really, right. So you're saying so much here. I got to break it down for our listeners here. So really, <laughs> really, cause it's deep stuff. If we really think about it. So yeah. what you're saying is that connections breed respect and yeah. that respect breeds perseverance yeah. and right. And then what you're really saying is, Hey, you know what? There's not ego and there should be no ego in education. Yeah, and absolutely. my, right. So if my style is different than what this child needs today, but I know my colleague has the same philosophy and connecting and style of education, but maybe has a different way of connecting with that character of a person then here you go, because we're all here for kids. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Ultimately, yes, we are all here for kids. And it doesn't matter if the instruction comes from me or from somebody else. It, it matters that the kid hears and understands the instruction. Because when they come back to you, how are they? They're much better. Yeah. They were, And if I don't know how to explain something or if I've lost a little bit of that connection with them and I need to pass them on to somebody else, then they'll still come to me for things because right. they know that I respect their individual needs. They may not be able to identify that. Right, right. Hey, that's why I like Park because she does that. But that's what it is. They know that I respect them as an individual. And so they in turn continue to respect me. Sounds like there's a certain level of ease and comfort. Yeah. Right. And security. And that's, and, and you know mm-hmm. what? Overall, probably a sense of belonging. And that's yes. what our kids need. Yes, very much so. Um, that was very, very evident this past school year. Um, we had a student in the senior class who passed away and he was one of the kids on my caseload. And, um, one of the things that I do in my yoga practice is I work with people with grief. Um, and so I kind of naturally hold the space for that. And it seemed like all of the grieving kids just flocked to me. And they were these tough, I'm not reaching out to anybody else. I just have my people, kids. Mm -hmm. And and they were coming to me during their homeroom time. They would stop by my room during passing period. 
Um, some, some of them would like come to me during study hall. Hey, I just can't be in there right now. Can I be with you? And we would, we would work things out, but yeah, it was really because I took the time and built those relationships. When this tragedy happened, I was one of the people, there were a few of us, but I was one of the people that the kids went, I'm just going to hang out here because this is a safe space for me. You had a good reputation prior to that. Yeah. Of being that supportive teacher that they needed. Yeah. And a lot of that is needed now more than ever. Very much so. There's so much tragedy in schools these days. Right. Right. Uh, Talk to us about the treatment program and how that has taught you lessons in the way that you teach others today. That was quite the learning experience. It was fairly early on in my career. Um, I taught in schools for, hold on, I'm counting. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while. One, two, sure. Four years. I taught in schools for four years. Um, I did something, I did kind of a one-on-one thing for a little bit, and then I ended up at the inpatient treatment center for two. Um it was a really powerful experience. Our kids were referred by schools and by probation. Um, you know, I even had one kid at one point who he was able to leave, but he didn't have any family or anywhere to go. Oh. So he was there until they found a place for him to go. So lots of just lots of trauma, lots of tragedy, just lots of sadness. Um, but then also lots of triumph within the kids, like they grew in confidence and, um, it was fun to teach because I got to be some really creative person and I got to be super creative with curriculum. You had to Um, imagine. Oh, absolutely. And I would pull from everything. Like if we were studying something, we would read about it. We would write about it. We would draw, we would watch videos we would like every sort of input I could give them about whatever we happened to be studying I would give them we would do hands-on activities we would just all kinds of things um so it was fun to plan for because like I said I got to be super creative yeah you're excited Um, isn't it great when when us as educators get to be excited about what we get to teach and how we get to teach it yeah been a while. I mean, talk about when we connect with how we're teaching, kids absolutely connect with what we're saying, right? Oh, yeah. And they learn so much more than what we're even teaching. Oh, yeah. They take it and they run with it. Absolutely. In ways that like we didn't even intend, but they go deeper. And then they'll be like, oh, you know what? I went home and I looked this up and did you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. And that's what's exciting. And that's why we got to watch with this technology, not too much. It's got to be a balance. We got to make yes. sure we're not doing all books and going backwards with chalk and talk. We need project-based instruction. We need hands-on. doesn't matter what age we're teaching. What do you think about that? It doesn't matter. No, it does not matter what age. I was, when I was at the facility, I taught 12 to 18 year olds. Right. Uh, 12 to 18. And you were creative with them. Oh, super creative with them. And they were responsive. Uh, and they were there for what reason, Paige? Uh, they had to have some sort of learning disability. So a learning delay, a cognitive delay, um, and then and an emotional handicap. So lots of, lots of mental health, yeah. lots of lots of issues. 
Uh, most of our kids had been placed at an average of seven facilities before they came to us. Mm -hmm. And it and didn't this, work there. And it didn't work there. They were kicked out, like asked to leave, ran out of, I, for whatever reason. Um, right. I don't remember all of the reasons. It's been a few, it's been a few years. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, they had all of these failing experiences before they came to us. So finding ways to a get creative with them and give them a reason to want to come to school because a lot of these kids have been kicked out of school, they've been suspended, they've been expelled, they've been had roadblock after roadblock after roadblock regarding education. And I found that with a lot of kids with disabilities as well, like they failed their way to where they are half the time. Right. And, and with no yeah. confidence. No, no confidence. And what do you think that they were feeling valued? Oh, no, not at all. So you had told me before we went on air here, you had said that you learned everyone should be valued. Yes, and, for sure. And by working through this treatment center, that was one of the first lessons that you've learned. Yes, that was one of the first lessons that I learned. Um, my one of my all time proudest teacher moments was when I did we, during the summer. Um, things were a little bit looser at the facility and I would get super creative. Um, again, I was creative all the time, but uh, I would have like one thing that I focused on. And so one summer I did a bridge building unit and we built toothpick bridges and tried to break them, but it was a check writing, budgeting activity as well. We read about bridges, we watched videos about bridges and um, learned like all of the different designs. And my dad was a civil engineer he designed roads and bridges, like that was his job. So he came in as a guest speaker so for my class. Yeah, it was so, oh my gosh. So cool. Hey dad. Afterwards, Don't call afterwards me my brothers, my brothers would be like, this, no, she's just a teacher. My dad would be like, no. You, you don't understand. <laughs> right. Until they see so it. Fun. Yeah. He's like, yeah. You, know, you have no idea what your sister does. That's right. Yes. My dad actually just came into my classroom as well as a, as a guest reader. Oh, and it's such a, it's great for them to be able to see and then take it out because we can expand our inner circle too, to yeah. help raise awareness about these children. So tell us more about your bridges. Right. So um, my dad came in and one of my kids came up to him and reached his hand out and said, hello, Mr. Park, I'm so-and-so. And it was like, done, I'm done, uh -huh. proud. Like, I, we talked manners, we talked, you know, kindness, because, you know, a lot of them hadn't seen. Yeah. They didn't know how to be nice to each other. They didn't right. know how to be nice to other people. They didn't know how to reach their hand out and shake a hand. Right. Um, so we talked about a lot of those things and it was really cool to just watch that unfold right in front of me there's a lot of adults who won't go up to other adults and say hi my name is so and so how are you and shake your hand you know yeah absolutely yeah so it was a really cool skill that my little my little boy learned talk to us today about um what it is in your what what does your classroom look like now and how is the times today changed from prior years well um Okay, so it's so different. Um, I used to have a classroom. I used to be in one location. Kids would come to me. Um, it was more like a resource teacher. And I taught individual classes as well. So I, I taught 
like a modified math I taught, modified English back when I first started years ago today. Um, I do teach an English language lab, so it's a support class. Um, and then I also, because I teach high school, uh, I also do credit recovery. So I work with kids who have failed classes previously. This is 100% online, but I am a cheerleader, a handholder, and a butt kicker. Tell us about that, the kids because need. that's got to be tough, because you've got kids online who are lacking the credits to right. graduate. So how yeah. do you how do you connect with them? Well, online is so difficult. It is, um, but they're not. They're in my room. Okay. They're in my room. They come to me for one period, and they okay. work on the computer in my room. Oh, gotcha. So gotcha. I can go. I can go sit next to them and Great. have a conversation. Great. Um, and it is like some of them really struggle. And this particular, we have several online programs at the school, and this one started I think about six or seven years ago. Um, I was one of the first teachers that taught in this particular program that we have, and they intentionally made it small. So my class is capped at 12 to 15, mm -hmm. and they usually rotate in and out. We get a lot of, we get a lot of fluctuation. Um, so I have a small group. In fact, lately it's been like a nine to 12, like it hasn't even been over. Good. Okay. 12, which is really good. Yeah. So I can sit down with them. I can connect. Um, I can have a conversation. I can talk to them about their class. I can talk to them about how they're doing. I can give them suggestions of here. Maybe you need to listen to the text instead of because it's got built in reader stuff for mm -hmm. everything. So the tests, the quizzes, the content can all be read to you. Um, if they're working on like a math or even an English concept, they can bring it up to me and say, hey, can you help me understand this? And I can take the content and explain it to them. Mm -hmm. um, if they need, so I, I'm there just to just to support. And it's, it's interesting, it's actually one of my favorite places to be in my building. Um, because I get to wear a variety of different hats. I get to dig in and work with the kids. Um, and then, you know, sometimes you get the ones who you're just not sure how to get them motivated. Right. And so you try all of these different things to kind of help attempt to motivate them and see what works and what doesn't work and how this is going to happen. And um, it's fun. It's fun. It's mm -hmm. fun to connect with the kids. It's fun to just if you know figure things out it's fun to be like you need to do da 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 da, da and butt kick it's fun to go you made it this week <laughs> and do a little happy dance with them and they look at me and roll my roll, roll their eyes but that's okay um <laughs> do you do you see uh, a thread or a common factor as to why these students have fallen behind um yeah a lot of them just don't like school mm. A lot of them don't try in class. Um, a lot of them are kind of non-traditional learners. Mm -hmm. um, schools in general kind of cater to the middle of the road kid um, and not necessarily the outliers. And these kids are outliers. Right. Um, they're the troublemakers, the misfits, the misunderstood mm -hmm. or labeled as that. Oftentimes they're just misunderstood. Like they, somebody hasn't taken the time to get to know them and who they are and what they need. So now these are the symptoms that we're seeing later on 
in secondary mm -hmm. school of needs that were not met, you know? Yeah. 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 It could be from home, could be from school, could be from both, could be inner, whatever it might be. Lots yeah. Any, any combination of that. Yeah. 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 So um, what inspired you to be a teacher? Ah, this is a great story. <laughs> I had been accepted into, um, I went to Purdue University and I had been accepted into their computer programming technology program. Wow. Yeah, I was one of the top That's not so creative, Paige. <laughs> it's, oh, it's more creative than you. I was programming. I was writing programs. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, as a senior in high school, I wrote a program for my dad's company to compute uh, payroll. Wow. And it worked. <laughs> wow, it worked. Hey, you hope you yeah. got an A in the class. <laughs> I, I was one of the top three students. Yeah. Great. I, we were always, all of us always got A's, but we were vying for like who had the highest A. A, A yeah. And I was, yeah, one of those kids. I taught myself a programming language as a senior in high school. So I learned one in class and then I was teach, tutorial teaching myself another programming language. Wow. That's how into computers I was at the time. Um, I was also at the same time taking this class called peer facilitation at my high school and one of the requirements for the class was volunteer hours. In the middle of this, um, a local elementary school had caught fire, oh. uh, lots of smoke and uh, water damage from the fire. So they took all of the kids except for kindergarten and they put them in um, my high school. Wow. And my teacher asked for volunteers to take kids from the resource room to their general education classrooms and then pick them up from their general education classrooms and take them to the resource room. Mm -hmm. uh, I got to be friends with the resource teacher. Oh, look at that. I would go in her room and volunteer on during my study hall. Any free time I would have, I would go and volunteer in her room because I just really connected with her I connected with the kids um so I went for a day on campus changed my major from <laughs> computer programming technology to elementary education wow and Had all it, because of that connection just all like because of that connection today. yeah yeah um went back my freshman year in college over spring break I went back into her room and volunteered um a couple of, I don't, I don't, I can't remember how I was there the whole week or just took a few days and went in and worked with her again. Um, my sophomore year in college, I changed my major from elementary education to special education. Ah, big changes. Big changes. Yeah. You felt yeah. like it was the right thing to do. It was absolutely the right thing to do. Um, I had a horrifying experience in a classroom as a sophomore. Oh. Um, because they put us out into classrooms pretty quick. Um, and I was working at an elementary school local to the area where my college was. And the teacher really didn't allow me to interact with the kids. She wanted me to sit in the back of the room and grade papers. She didn't want me, mm. she, she barely even wanted me to teach the lesson that I was required to teach. Right, right. Um, and I didn't do, I was a glorified. No connection there. No connection no there. No connection no. at all. No. Um, and that honestly, that interaction is why I went from, elementary education to special education. I mm -hmm. think if I had had a good connection, I probably would have stayed in elementary. Well, the children you serve, thank you. <laughs> yes, they do, for sure. My high school kids are probably like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're here, Park. Um, I ha didn't, hadn't planned on teaching high school, had a really great 
actually elementary experience and high school experience for my student teaching. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't for that good experience um, through my student teaching, teaching high school and that teacher encouraging me to go teach high school, I probably wouldn't have. I would have stuck with elementary and I do, I like the young kids, um, but they're just something, they're just something about those secondary kids that. And I understand that we all made for something, but it's great when we can travel through the grades mm -hmm. because it really gives us, I believe, the perspective of where they've been, where they're going, how they are developmentally. And it just makes us grow too, because we have to, to be effective. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, and it, it's kind of fun because the district I'm in now, I've actually been there for 19 years and the first nine years I taught elementary school. That's nice. So when I started high school, the kids who yes. were my kids, yes. first and second and yes. third graders and fourth graders were in the high school at that point. So I got to see them and see them transition. And it was my favorite moment I walked into at that point, we were collaborative teaching and I walked into a ninth grade. I was all ninth grade English. I walked into a ninth grade English class and I saw one of my kids that had been mine from first through fourth grade in elementary school. Mm -hmm. um, I saw him sitting in the classroom and I poured through the list of kids and teachers of record to see if I could find his name and his name wasn't on there anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, so I messaged my director. I was like, look, this kid is not on a list anywhere. He's got special needs. He's identified, put him on my caseload. Right, right. And I called mom to set Hi. up the move in. I called mom to set up the move in. Hi, it's me. I remember me. Oh my gosh. She was so relieved yeah. that it was me um, because they had a really rough experience when he transitioned from elementary to the intermediate school. Mm -hmm. And they ended up pulling him and putting him in the local Catholic school. Instead. Oh, that's what happened. Okay. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, because he had a really rough intermediate experience and mom made him repeat a grade and um, okay. pulled him and put him in the Catholic school, which was really good for him. He needed that smaller environment. Mm -hmm. um, he did really well there. And then, uh, yeah, he made it. He made it through high school. He graduated. His mom, I'm friends with his mom and him on Facebook, but every once in a while she'll message me, here's what our boy is up to. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. Him. He still calls him our boy. Oh my goodness. Now there's a connection there too. It's yeah. so important. It's it's beyond. And uh, I, I think that sometimes it's really important for administrators to realize that as educators in the classroom, sometimes we feel very pressured we feel yeah. pressured to meet their mental health needs, to meet their behavioral needs, to meet their academic standards and needs and testing. And sometimes I think it's important to say, listen, get the priorities first. And those, those priorities are to connect with your students. Those yeah. priorities are to make sure that they have the strategies and how to learn. And the rest will come. Just work diligently on both areas and, uh, don't you think that's an important message? Yeah, that's a really sometimes. important message. Yeah. Um, because schools feel like they have to be all things to everyone. Right. And and honestly, if you focus on those two areas, right. Mm -hmm. A lot of the rest of the things will work themselves out. They do. Anx they do. Anxiety will degree decrease. Depression will decrease. Mm -hmm. Um, because they've got tools. They feel seen and heard. Yeah. Yeah. And understood. Like you yeah, yes. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Right. And understood. 
That's the biggest thing. So talk to us about yoga. How did this come about, Paige? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another good story. Um, so I took my very first yoga class as a college, a freshman, getting a PE credit. And yoga has kind of woven its way in and out of my life for years. And a few years ago, um, my school did a program where they partnered with a local yoga studio and they offered discounted classes. And I started back, I needed that, that particular movement. And I absolutely loved this particular teacher that took those classes. She's actually had dinner with her the other night. I consider her one of my first mentors. She's the reason I did yoga teacher training. Um, And so uh, I started taking classes with her, just that one. And then I expanded and joined the studio and started taking more classes with her. And I just absolutely loved that space. Well, in the meantime, um, I'd done a lot of reading. I'd done some research and learned the power of yoga and meditation with kids, especially kids who have behavior problems or mm-hmm. mental health issues. And so um, I had conversations with her. She was going to do a 200 hour yoga teacher training. Um, I decided I was going to sign up for that. I actually ended up, she moved her training. Actually, I don't even know if she did her training because COVID and the shutdowns hit um, right about the time she was supposed to start, but she had moved her training to fall and fall didn't work for me. So I kind of lost track as to whether or not she even did it, but I had signed up to go to Costa Rica in July of 2020 to do a 200 hour yoga teacher training with um, a fantastic group. And because everything shut down and Costa Rica closed, she flipped her model to an online model. So I did a 200 hour yoga teacher training. Wow. Fully intending just to take it and to write curriculum for specifically secondary kids mm-hmm. um, because there is curriculum out there, but I, I feel like it kind of lacks in the secondary area. Um, and I wanted to take those, the secondary kids that kind of feel lost in the shuffle. So mm-hmm. there are kids who might be a little misunderstood, um, kids with anxiety, kids with depression, like kind yeah. of focusing in those areas. Sure. Um, and that was my full intention when I started in yoga teacher training, um, about halfway through decided I liked teaching yoga. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. So tell us about some of the kids that take, that take yoga. What are the benefits uh, that they gain from it? And, and just tell us a little bit more about that. Yoga is such a powerful tool because you're learning to connect with yourself and a lot of our kids today have no idea why they're thinking and feeling what they're thinking and feeling. Mm -hmm. And they don't know how to separate that ego out. They can't identify what's ego and what's really true self. Um, And yoga actually gives you that power. It teaches you how to connect with yourself, how to connect with your breath, how to connect with your body, how to notice like what's going on in your body. Like a lot of our kids don't even know what it feels like when they're anxious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you learn to identify like what different sensations happen within the body through the practices of yoga. Um, there are eight limbs of yoga and only one is the physical practice. The others deal with the way you interact with your world, yourself, your breath toward learning your inside self, 
connection with um, meditation and connection with the divine. So um, it's really a powerful tool because there's so many facets to it. It's not just here, do these postures. It's here, take this physical position, feel how it feels within your body. Use your breath to help your body. A, well, you have to keep structure, but you also need to relax and not fight the pose sometimes. Mm -hmm. So learning those things and learning like the different breath activities that you can do and what they do for your body, because there's some that'll rev you up. So if you're feeling a little sad and depressed and you need a little more heat, there are breath work, breath activities that you can do that will give you heat. If you're feeling a little riled up and you need to cool down, there's breath activities that'll cool you down. Um, and a lot of them are just super simple that you can do when nobody is around or even, you know, there are some of them, like I'll do this if I'm feeling like a little, just to release tension, I'll, yeah. I'll find myself just doing this. And, and sometimes it's just the hands and it's just a really quick action and nobody knows what I'm doing, but I'm doing that. Or sometimes I'll take a pause, especially if I'm not talking and I'll just take a deep breath, slowly let out, recenter and reground myself and then go back to whatever it was that I was doing. Have you been able to have the opportunity to see some of your yoga students then enter into your classroom and then the benefits that you see from the classroom to yoga, yoga to the classroom? Unfortunately, I don't teach yoga at my school. Mm -hmm. well, um, maybe one day. But I have used some of the yoga, some of the tools with some kids. Um, meditation is a really powerful tool to use. And I have um, a girl who would come to me who was not centered and grounded, um, very scattered into lots of drama. Um, and we would take five or 10 minutes in the morning and we would focus on our breath. I did do, um, and we would, I would guide her through just a small meditation. Um, and she would leave feeling better. Now she would get involved in a lot of the drama. So it didn't last very long. Um, and she would only come to me when she was at that ah state, which I kept telling her, you have, this is a consistent, it's a practice. Like you have to right, do right. it even when you don't feel like you need it. Because right. then when you do need it, you've been practicing and you can use the tools yourself. Like you yes. don't need me. So my job, my goal is to get them to not need me because you can do this yourself. Right. Um, I did partner a couple, three years ago with a math teacher and we did a guided meditation with the students um, of her first period class. She had a really small class. We kind of wanted to experiment and see the impact that it would have. We did a whole semester together, about three quarters of the way through the semester. This is probably one of the most powerful things I've seen. And this was just a simple systematic relaxation. So you tense and release the muscles, guided meditation. That's all it was. Mm -hmm. And we gave the kids the option. We said, if you, you can not participate, like you can participate, you can not participate. It's completely up to you. If you choose not to participate, just put your head down and let those who want to participate do it. Sure. Just sit quietly. Sure. Don't even do, it was a math class. So it was like, don't even get out your Chromebook. Don't do your math bell work. Like don't do anything. Just sit quietly and allow whoever wants to participate to participate. 
so we had one and he was one of the ones that kind of bucked it from the beginning i was like i'm not gonna do this well apparently he ended up doing it um and one of the things i would talk about is how you choose your mood that's you choose how you feel like if somebody does something about this yes teenagers this is something so we, I would talk about you, you choose your mood, you choose what, what you want to feel like if you want to be happy, be happy if somebody does something and that disrupts your happiness, find a way back to your happiness. Right. And so three quarters of the way through the semester, this kid comes in, the teacher's like, Paige, you have got to hear his story. And he's like, I was going along the other day and I was having a really good day. And, 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 you know, these things are happening and everything's fine and I'm happy. And then something happened and it wasn't fine. And I started to get mad at that thing, but I decided that I didn't want it to ruin my day. So I just decided to be happy again. Ah, change your thoughts, change your perception, mostly self-regulated. Thank you very much, Mrs. Parker. Awesome. That's fabulous. Yeah. You know, kids have a lot of control once they really embrace the skills that they believe in. They believe yeah. in for themselves, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, and and I don't know if you've seen this in in what you have done and how you have worked with kids, but there's so many things that kids can't control that if you show them what they can control, mm-hmm. it's a whole new world for them whole new world. I had an experience to, to, to that point today. I had, I have a client, I've seen him five times. He's in first grade going into second. And apparently they were going in the pool. And when I asked mom, well, how was your week and whatnot? She goes, I overheard him saying, I can, and I will, I can, and I will. When he was lowering himself on the lat on the ladder into the pool because the pool was so cold, but he wanted to go in it. And he's learning because what we do is I can and I will. And then we go from there. I'll use my tools, use my strategies. So she says to him, I hear you using self-talk and it's working. You're in the pool now, you know? So (coughs) yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. And they take it for what works. And then when they need to apply it for what our objectives are as their teachers, they run with it. So to close, Paige, do you have any advice or any last words that you would like to share with the listeners? I would just say, you know, no matter where you are, whether you're a parent, an administrator, a teacher, yeah, a student, students find a teacher that you connect with. <clears throat> um, everyone else connect with your kids. Find, find ways. Like I know sometimes dealing with kids with disabilities can be extremely frustrating um and it it can be there are those I'm just going to bang my head against the wall moments because that's what you feel like but the more that you can um connect and find a different level of perception with them the easier that it'll become great well thank you very very much for sharing your time your experience your wisdom with us you have a lot to share in how to connect with children and the different ways and the benefits that having that voice from within when they're a child really helps to benefit them as they move forward in their own life. So thank you very much, Paige. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast, where school leaders, educators, and parents meet on behalf of children who struggle with learning. To bring workshops to your school or organization, contact Child Behavior Consulting and get started with resources available at childbehaviorconsulting.com, Amazon, and teacherspayteachers.com for ready-to-use resources and children's books. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember to review, subscribe, share, and give us a shout-out on social media.